Hello, this is Annie Catherine, host of the multi-award-winning podcast, Soulful Series. Thank you for joining me as I chat with award-winning authors who have written a memoir or nonfiction motivational book and have an uplifting message to share. And I'm here with Melissa Gold, an award-winning screenwriter who has written on such acclaimed shows as Bill Nye the Science Guy, Party of Five, Beverly Hills 90210, and Lizzie McGuire. She has written for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and the Los Angeles Times, among others. And now she has written an incredible memoir called Widowish, which has debuted in the United States at number one and Germany at number one. It's an international bestseller. So I wanted to welcome you, Melissa. Thank you so much. Thank you. So nice to see the book. I know. I just love it. that. And I wrote, you know, I have some tabs here. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you about Widowish and why you wrote it. Okay. So um, first, it's just so nice to be here and sitting with you, Annie, and talking. Um, so I wrote the book because I became a widow very unexpectedly. Um when I was in my 40s and I had a, I have a daughter who was 13 at the time and my husband, her father died unexpectedly of West Nile virus. And it completely, of course, uh, you know, upended my entire world. And through a series of events, which I write about in my memoir, um, I started writing about this very traumatic loss and change in my life. Um, and I realized that writing was the most healing thing that I could have done for myself. And the result is widowish. And it was so healing to share my story. It allowed other people to write with me. And, and I connected with a lot of other widows and people going through very unexpected life changes. Um, just about their grief and loss and not even necessarily the death of a spouse, but just, it really, um, like I said, has just, the book has allowed me to connect with so many people and the gift in all of that is that it keeps Joel, my husband alive and present. And I did not see any of that coming when I started writing. And that really has just been the best thing ever. Well, that's great. Yeah, it, it does really seem like you're on this healing journey when I was reading the book. And I actually saw some, some growth in you um, as I was reading it. Um, so I also wanted to ask you, where did the title come from, Widowish? Um, I, I, I talk about it in the book a lot, which is that because I, I was young when I became a widow, um, it was not people's expectations of what a widow looks like. Um, I feel that, you know, I didn't look like a widow. I, I still don't. We all have this idea of like a widow being a much older woman, you know, dressed in black from head to toe, uh, not really living her life anymore. And I think that's just like a societal thing that that's our vision of, of a widow. It's certainly changed a lot very, you know, sadly because of COVID, there are so many young widows now, 
but my husband died seven years ago. Um, he died of West Nile virus, like I mentioned. So he died of a virus long before we all spoke virus. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I said, I, I don't look like a widow. I wasn't necessarily acting like a widow, but I felt like a widow. I still feel like a widow and it's been seven years. Um, but those things combined added up to me just feeling kind of widow-ish. Yes. Well, and also in the book, you talk about you came to a, re- a revelation that you were a widow. Like it wasn't immediate. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I found it, I, I, it just resonated with me or just like stuck out to me when you, when you started putting it in conversation with people. Well, you know why, Annie? It's because I couldn't fathom that I was no longer married. Mm-hmm. Like, I know this is going to sound strange, but like, just because my husband died, mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I felt like we were still married. He was still my husband. And, you know, I still feel like he's my husband, even though I've been in another relationship for a while now, mm-hmm. but I still feel married to Joel. I certainly did, but I wish takes place in my first year of losing him. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't reconcile that I was a widow. It it was so hard to believe my life became so surreal. Mm -hmm. And part of that plays into widowish too, because I just was like, no, I'm married. I'm married, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, it was a very strange thing. But then I think what you're talking about is once I kind of realized Mm -hmm. that I was in fact a widow by definition, my spouse had died, making me a widow, Mm -hmm. um, I couldn't stop saying it. I couldn't stop telling people. It was the most random, like I call it my widow's Tourette's because I felt the need to tell people because they wouldn't know it if they were looking at me. Yeah. You know, we all walk around with our baggage and our life and people don't know, you know, when you run into people at Trader Joe's, they don't know that you got in a fight with your mother that morning, and you're yeah. hung up the phone and now you're shopping for your grocery. Like people don't know what we've all experienced unless you share it, you know? So people didn't necessarily know that about me. And I think that's why I felt so compelled because it also made it real for me. Like I said, life became so surreal mm-hmm. that it almost like saying the word I'm a widow it just reminded me, okay, this is your new life now. This, this is what you're transitioning to. That, and so, yeah, that was a big revelation to me. Yeah, I, that, that does make sense. I can see how you, you kind of have to, it, it becomes your reality, but it, it takes a while. It took a while. Oh, it did. It really did. And also, okay, so this cover art, I wanted to know what your interpretation of it is. It's very pretty. I love the cover. Thank you for saying that. I, um, you know, a designer at my publisher, my publisher hired a designer. I was in communication with them uh, fairly often, just in terms of like palette and designs and things I liked. Um, her name is Carolyn Teagle Johnson, who who did the design. Um, and my interpretation is that it's a teardrop. Yes. Um, that's what I thought it was that specifically, but we had, you know, we, we, there was a, I I so appreciate that about my publisher at little a, um, that they really included me in, in the design process, but the design is all this great designer, Carolyn, but just, I, I ended up loving it and, and people have responded the same way you have, which is so nice. 
Yeah, it's striking. It, it really is. So, and it's also like if you take the paper off of the hardback, there's that lovely surprise, which I was not expecting. Okay. I don't <laughs> know if I did that. I didn't do it. <laughs> I mean, isn't that great? I love it. I didn't know that was there. Yeah, I didn't either. When I opened the book, my daughter like pulled, she's like, oh my God, mom, look. So that's great. I do. I love that. Um, okay, so the so your husband had MS. So you were dealing with that. And then out of the blue, it seemed, he got sick. And you weren't understanding, and the doctors didn't seem to be picking yeah. up. And um, okay. I felt that was so heart-wrenching when you're trying to figure out what's going on. Well, early on, the doctors suspected that it was a virus of some sort yeah. that um, put my husband into this coma that he was in for three weeks. And um, the issue with him having multiple sclerosis is that, you know, I've said this almost in every interview, but MS is a quality of life disease. People don't generally die from it. Yes. It affects your day-to-day -day in some ways that can be devastating. And, and in some other people, it might just be very subtle. You know, these autoimmune diseases affect every single person differently. Um, but we were managing the MS. Joel was living with it. Certainly, um, he did become compromised um, that last year. And because of that, he was in between medications. Yeah. So because he was in between the medications and he was on steroid infusions, his immune system was already suppressed and he became susceptible to what we later found out was a lethal mosquito bite, yeah. which is so crazy. But um, the doctors didn't know that at first, you know, and Again, they did keep circling the idea that it was a virus, but they didn't know which virus. The thing about viruses is there's no cure, as we know with COVID. Um, you know, they really just have to run their course. Most people who have healthy people who have West Nile virus may not even know they have it. They may feel like off for a day or two. It's the people whose immune systems are compromised. And of course, you know, I'm not a doctor, but there are certain people who may get stung by a mosquito and contract West Nile virus and end up severely compromised who are otherwise perfectly healthy. But with my husband, because of the MS, it made him more susceptible mm -hmm. to this. And um, that really is the, that was the cause of his death. Yeah. That is so sad. Oh, so when you're in the hospital with him and um, you now have all these memories of him being in the hospital. So after he passes away, you, in the book, you say that it was hard to get past, you know, that memory of him. So if you'd like to talk a little bit about that. Well, I think that that was the trauma of just, he, Joel and I made the decision together to go to the hospital. He was mm -hmm. completely lucid. He had a high fever. He hadn't been feeling well all week, but we had never been to the hospital before, but he was lucid enough to make that decision with me. He walked himself into the hospital. Mm -hmm. Two days later, he was in a coma. Three weeks later, he died. Mm -hmm. So I think that was just part of the trauma of grief yes. of, and also it being unexpected. Like I, you know, 
the reason I say he, he was, you know, cognizant and we made the decision to go together is that I expected he would be home in a few days. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, maybe this is a really bad flu and he needs liquids or, you know, so the whole thing was such a shock to my system. And also, you know, I had our daughter to take care of and manage her and relate to her all of these horrible things that were happening to her father. Mm-hmm. So I think for a very long time, and I do write about this in my book, um, I was really stuck in the hospital in my mind. Like I couldn't not see Joel laying there in a coma, tubes everywhere. Um, it took me a really long time to, to process mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. and to then get my memories back of him yes. before the hospital. Like that was the part that was very concerning. And it was, you know, it was just part of my journey, I guess, yeah. in, in terms of, of again, reconciling how surreal things had become. Yes. Yes. And you mentioned your daughter, Sophie, and in the book, you mentioned how you um, were trying to be strong for her. And I, I, as a mother, I, I can understand the whole trying to be strong for your daughter. So, um, and, and you were grieving in so many, in two different ways. And, um, do you want to talk a little bit about, um, that process for you and Sophie? Well, I feel like, you know, I talk about in the book, how, how Sophie is an only child Mm -hmm. and I became what I refer to as an only parent, Mm -hmm. because even though as parents look, you know, whether your, your spouse or your partner is with you or not, you're always 24 seven, you're on as Mm -hmm. a parent, you know, but for me losing Joel, I felt this weight of responsibility almost immediately. And it, was daunting and overwhelming. And in many ways it still is. And Sophie's 21 now, she was 13. So we, you know, went through with her, all of her teenage years together, all of high school, college, you know, it was a lot. Um, And I just feel like the, the grief I had, like I was able to process my grief in ways that were very different from Sophie. You know, she was a kid. She didn't necessarily want the world to know Mm-hmm. that her dad died. And like I just said, like I was telling everybody all that I'm a widow, I'm a widow, I'm a widow, you know, and she didn't want to be the known. She didn't want to be known as the girl whose daddy died. Yeah. Um, that's a lot for a 13 year old. Mm-hmm. Um, so we grieved very differently. She's doing great. I mean, I'm so proud of her. What strikes me more now is that because she was so young when she lost her dad, she's not necessarily aware in the same ways that I am of the things she's missing out on of like how Joel might react and respond to her life as a young adult now. Um, That's for me a little bit heartbreaking, not so much for, I mean, it is for her too, you know, believe me, she, (laughs) she's, she's processed her grief a lot. Um, But it's, it's different. I think when it's a spouse versus a parent at such a young age. Yes, yes. Yeah, I can see that. So how are you keeping Joel's memory alive? Um, You talk about that in the book a little bit, but I'm sure you're doing more things than, or I don't know, do you have traditions that you're, you're doing now? I mean, you know, we talk about Joel every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I said something to Sophie this morning. I forgot what it was, but it was like, oh, well, daddy used to whatever it was. Um, I have pictures of him all over the house still. I can't imagine that would ever change. Um, and really just in writing Widowish, I feel like, I think I said this at the beginning, like it is such a gift. Like here we are, Annie, we're talking about my husband. We're talking about our life together. We're talking about our child. So these are the things like I did not see coming. And even when I started writing my essays um, and getting them published and, and some really great outlets, you know, I, I was amazed that people were interested in my story. I was amazed that my story was resonant for people. Um, all of that has been such a gift, such a blessing. Um, these are the things that keep Joel alive. Yes. You know, yes. and that's everything. Yes. Yes. And yeah, that's one thing about your book I really loved was getting to know Joel. I mean, oh, see that just like, I love that. And, and that's the thing, like people now feel like they know him and, yeah. and friends of ours and people who knew him, who have read the book, um, feel like they spent some time with him again. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. That is, that's such a great way to, to pay tribute to him. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, so, when someone's partner passes away, a lot of people, friends or family, don't know what to do or what to say. So can you talk a little bit about, from your experience, what, how you wanted people to, to respond to you, to this situation? Yeah, I mean, I wish I could tell you, like, here's what you say, or here's yeah. what you, I mean, I think that grief is different for everybody. Yeah. For me, I just want, and a, and a simple acknowledgement was enough. Like, I'm so sorry. Yes. I heard about Joel. I didn't need to like stand there and have a conversation about somebody's 85 year old aunt who just passed away. Like they're, they're trying to connect with me on that. I like that for me was too much. Some people saw me and they burst into tears. Um, that was not helpful. Yeah. <laughs> In terms that would be of, me. I, I cry at everything. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's like, I think, again, because I was a younger widow, I am a younger widow. Um, yeah. And in many ways, I felt like the town widow because everybody, even, you know, I live in Los Angeles, but it's a community I live in and we all kind of know each other. And um I realized that I really was this sort of like blank screen for everybody else's projections yeah. of what they thought they, or how they thought they would react or what they would do if they became widowed or lost their partner. And that also wasn't helpful for me yeah. because I didn't want to walk around with other people's projections. Like they didn't know me. They thought they knew my story. They didn't. Like they thought they knew Joel. They didn't. They just knew, oh, that's the woman whose husband died. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I just, that, that's why to me, just like, I'm so sorry. I heard like that was enough. And in terms of like, what can people do? I think um, just being specific, it's, you know, just like call me if you need anything, nobody's ever going to call. It's more like, I'm going to bring you dinner next Monday. Mm -hmm. That was great. Yeah. You know, like, or just, I'm going to the post office. I'm going to swing by if you need anything dropped off, or I'm running to the mall. If you have anything you want me to pick up for you, you know, like, just directives yes. that other people gave me was, was great and really so helpful and so meaningful. And I remember all of it, um, as opposed to, like I said, you know, let me know if you need anything, Yeah, you, but that, you need so much yes. that 
I'm not going to give them like, well, I need emotional support. I need yeah. this, you know, it's like, yeah. So the specific, the better. That's, that's good advice that I'm, I'm filing away for whenever I need it. <laughs> so psychics always fascinate me. And I loved the part in the book where you went to see a psychic. So can you talk about why you went to a psychic and um, what you might've been expecting and what that whole experience was like? So I, I am not new to the world of psychics. It's not like I'm like, you know, go every day, but you know, in my life, I've gone a handful of times. Um, and I've always thought it was like fun. I kind of don't take it so, so seriously. Although when Joel died, I think I really was looking for validation that he was still with me because again, I couldn't believe he wasn't, you know, like I, I we were so connected and we were so just together that again, because he died, it didn't make sense to me. Like, where was he? And so I think when I went to the psychic that time, I did have a different expectation, which again, I just wanted to know that he was with me. Mm -hmm. And the minute I walked in and I write about this in Widowish, um, the psychic was like, oh, he's here. He's here. He's been waiting for you. She was so cute. Um, and she validated for me that Joel was with me. She said things that only he and I knew, uh, you know, it's, I know there's a, there's a healthy amount of cynicism for a lot of people and seeing a psychic, they think they're shysters or whatever. I don't have that belief. I don't, people are like, well, aren't you afraid they're gonna Google you? No, I'm not. I don't, I think they have better things to do with their time. Yeah. Um, and at the time there was nothing about me to Google, mm -hmm. you know, maybe my screenwriting career, that, that's all up there. But um, it didn't, you know, I, I, that part, I, I'm not cynical in that way. And so she really validated that Joel was with me. The one prediction she made that was so funny that I, I write about is, my next relationship. However, the one thing she got wrong about that is she said, you, you know, you're going to meet somebody, he's going to be in love with you, but it's not going to last. Oh, yes. But here we are, it's been like six years later. So yeah. <laughs> um, and the things she said specifically about him were also like so specific and precise that I mean, that was really interesting. And, yes. and so, and, and I do find that when you have lost somebody you love, it could be a parent, it could be a sibling. In my case, it was my husband. Um, there is something very heartwarming and again, validating about a spiritual connection that somebody else is sort of the conduit for. Claire Bidwell Smith is a wonderful author and grief specialist who wrote a book called After This. Okay. Um, which talks about psychics and mediums and things like that for people who are grieving. And she was a, a cynic and she suffered a lot of loss in her young life. And so that's what I think her intention for the book was. And she agrees that it's incredibly validating and can be so healing mm -hmm. to meet with a psychic or a medium um, who makes that connection. And I totally agree with that. Yeah, I do too. I I've gone to see a few psychics, psychics in my day as well. So, so you so, get it. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I get it. Um, so what do you want readers to take away from your book, Widowish? I guess that, you know, 
there's no right or wrong way to grieve. Um, I think a lot of people think they're doing it wrong. I certainly did. Again, that kind of plays into the widowish. I felt like I wasn't widow enough for a lot of people. Um, but that ended up not making a difference um, to me. But um, I, there's no right or wrong when it comes to grief. I think everybody grieves in their own way. And I think to just be kinder to ourselves, for people who are going through that, it could be a divorce. I've heard from so many divorced people who feel like that also is a, a loss and a death of a marriage um, or people who have lost their jobs unexpectedly or things that not just a job, but like a career, you know? I, so I think my book kind of speaks to um, anybody going through like a, a life change. Um, so I think that's really it. There's no right or wrong when it comes to grief and loss to be kind to yourselves. And again, what we talked about earlier is just, for me, this has been so healing to connect with other people, um, to bear witness to other people's experiences. It's just, it's all just been really amazing. Good, good. So uh, we're just about wrapping up here. Where can someone find your book? Um, it's on Amazon. It can be ordered online. It could be ordered through bookshop.org if you want to support your indie bookstores. It's at the library. If it's not, you can order it. Okay. Um, pretty much wherever books are sold, you can get Widowish. Good, good. Well, I am so glad that you took the time to talk to me about your memoir. It's incredible. And I Thank think you. people will get a lot out of it. So go buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you so you much. So much. <laughs> Thank you. And I love hearing from people. So if anybody watching this does uh, like this interview or reads my book and wants to talk to me about it, just please find me on Instagram and I just, I love connecting with my readers. That's great. Thank you so much. Thank Bye. you, Annie. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening. Soulful Series is hosted by me, Annie Catherine. Soulful Series is a Vienna Studios production produced by Vanessa Ferlano. Music by Vanessa Ferlano. Catch you next time. Part of the ACAST community.